Welcome everyone, we're about to begin with Hashem Shalom Bayashir number 217. Um, Zal brings down in his book in Marriage from Rav Ram Grodzinski, he was the Mashkiach of the Slobodki Yeshiva uh, before World War II. And he talks about the concept that the only way to fulfill the mitzvah of a haftal riacha kamaycha and the only way to interact with another person with a love and a care that the Torah tells us to do is to know the individual's unique wants, their needs, and their desires. Even if someone wants something that you don't have a need for, your obligation is to do acts of kindness to that person to understand that person's needs, that person's unique reactions, even if you if it doesn't pertain to you and you don't have that particular need. And when you first meet somebody, it's true, it's, it's hard to know what they really want, what they really need. But once you interact daily with a person, you gain knowledge about that person, and you'll learn how to treat that person with respect and to talk to him in a way that fills his needs. And this applies to every single person we encounter. So if it applies to everyone we encounter, all the more so, we need to know the individuality of the person whom we are married to. And in general, men and women have different natures. In general, men and women have different needs. And the Torah obligates us to understand what these needs are. And only by this um, uh, way, that's the only way you can truly love and respect one's husband or wife properly. Uh, this is brought down in his Sefer, Tairus Avraham. So it's good to know in general, and we talked about in the past, the differences between men and women overall. And you'll be more accepting of your husband and of your wife if you know the general natures of men and women and how they are different. Now, it doesn't always work that way. There are exceptions to the rule. But the bottom line is, is that when you understand the needs and patterns of your spouse, of your husband or wife, it's more, uh, the more you learn and the more you understand it, and the more you're willing to provide for them what they need, the better uh, the marriage will be and the more enhanced the marriage will be. And you have to realize your husband and wife, they're unique. They're not your father, not your mother, not like anyone else you met. And um, they're not exactly the way they were even, you know, yesterday. People, human beings, constantly change, they evolve. And therefore, when you're talking to, the, to your wife, to your husband, you have to realize you're talking to a unique individual the way they are at this moment. And basically, you focus on that and do your best to prov- do whatever chasadim you can based on the interactions that you're having with your spouse at this very moment. You have to realize you have a unique neshama, your spouse has a unique neshama, and um, and again, what applies by other marriages doesn't apply by you. You are a unique person, your wife is a unique person. I don't assume just because uh, you know a friend that their way of doing something in the marriage is a particular way doesn't mean that that applies to you because you have your own individual situation and your own individual wife or husband that has their own unique ways uh, and, and needs. And people differ greatly in many ways from each other. 
For example, um, some people are more introverted. Some people are more extroverted. Some people need more space and more boundaries. Other people have that need to know, to, to, to share their experiences, to share their feelings. The other per person may have the reverse need. I want my privacy. So, so he gives an example, for example, if you ask your husband or wife, you ask them the question, where are you going when they're walking out somewhere? Where are you going? So um, it could be a normal, regular question, just a curiosity, where are you going? Or it's an expression of concern. Uh, you know, and but for some people, they view that as a controlling question. Or, or, you, you know, you're trying to control me. Where am I going? So it depends on the personality of the of the person you're talking to, and the exact wording and the toning tone of the ver voice in which you're asking such a question. So if you say it in a in a rough tone, like where you're going, the other person will perceive it as you're being controlling or what do you what you know. But if you say it in a calm, kind way, it's a question of curiosity. And there's no threatening, no threatening feeling behind it. And the, the other one doesn't feel threatened by the fact that where are you going, you know, they're asking you where you're going. To the contrary, they're happy that you're asking. It shows you're concerned and that you're interested in their lives. So a lot has to do with perspective and the way you, your tone of voice and, and your intent behind what you're saying. And you convey that in the best possible way. And the emotional history of people are different. You need to understand some people are, were born and they grew up in happy families where fathers and mothers cared, cared deeply about each other, when with children were treasured. So they have a certain emotional history that's a healthier emotional history. And then you have others who grew up in a family that had, unfortunately, many arguments, where there was anger, where there was quarrels, where there was insults, insults in a daily occurrence, and frustration. And it may affect your your present feelings. So, so someone grew up in a cheerful home, and everyone spoke with love and respect to each other. Um, so you have to realize a person like that. The flip side of it is, is that when there's a quarrel, when there's an argument, it'll affect them very deeply because they're they're very much not used to it. If they always grew up in a in a in a in a in an environment where the husband and wife spoke softly with to each other, the mother and father, with a kindness, with a respect, so then with that person, if your wife grew up in such a home, and you say a sharp word, it'll affect her more deeply because that's something that's totally foreign to her from the way she grew up, and so on and so forth. So when you interact with your husband and your wife, you need to also understand somewhat of their background, of what they were used to, what behaviors they were used to, so that when your behavior is somewhat different, you need to adjust or to evaluate how you're interacting. And um, again, the other some people um, like entering new experiences. Some people are like staying in their comfort zones. Some people grew up in large families, some people in small families. Some people were used to having a lot of guests by their Shabbos table. And that's what they thrive on and enjoy. And then others, um, they, they like their privacy and they don't invite guests by, you know, too often. So, and you have to sort of understand where your wife and where your husband is coming from. And just because you were used to a certain pattern doesn't mean that your, your wife's pattern or your husband's pattern is incorrect. Correct. But the bottom line is you need to adjust because different people will, will be affected in different ways, even with same experiences. So that's an important idea. 
to that when you're married, you gain a great value and um, by attaining as much understanding as possible about the way your husband or your wife thinks and the way your husband and your wife interacts. An anecdote uh, he says is as follows. A short while after my daughter was married, my son-in-law told me that when he was engaged, he heard the following from a few people. And they told my son-in-law as follows. Here are two rules to remember after you get married. First, many women are afraid of bugs, insects. So if your wife sees a bug and is afraid of it, don't laugh. Be a hero, rescue her, always go to the bug and step on it. And second, when your wife mops the floor, never step on the floor until it dries. The question that is asked in yeshiva circles is, what do you do if there's a bug on a wet floor when your wife just finished mopping it? And I remember when I heard this for the first time and I appreciated the beauty of the question. And this question expresses this concept. Don't just do or not do something that will affect your spouse. Think first about the proper course of action. Now, this, this, this question is sort of a funny hop, you know, and uh, but the proper thing to do is the only one that really knows is 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 your own wife and or husband, you know, uh, that you know you know your own personalities. So don't go according to what you think the majority would feel, or this person would feel, or that person would feel. Everyone's different, and if you're not sure, you could have discussions with your spouse about the way they feel and the way they interact. So that's a very important thing to know. And a person who does not understand the reactions of his or her spouse will be most likely repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Now, it goes the other way around too, by the way. Just like one needs to try to understand the reactions of his or her spouse, it's very important for the spouse that we're talking about to express to their husband or wife what their needs are, what their reactions are, what what they feel and how they feel, how they feel about having a lot or less guests on Shabbos, how they feel about anything in life. And the more you learn, the more you grow, and the more you're able to adapt to the unique situation that uh, your marriage is. And um, that's, that's, that's an important thing. Another thing he says, very interesting, someone said that when I was single, I heard that when you get married to your wife and will always want to cook your favorite dishes for you, and I used to eat Shabbos meals at homes of many people, and whenever I especially enjoyed eating something, I called up the family after Shabbos and asked for the recipe of that dish. Now, after I became engaged, I handed my kala a thick notebook of recipes that I told her I would like to use after we were married. Now, the look on her face told me quite clearly that she was less than enthusiastic about the entire idea, and she politely handed it back to me and said, I don't think I need that right now. And after we were married a couple of months, however, on her own, she asked me if I still had that notebook, and I was thrilled. So again, you know, it has to do with reactions and understanding and respecting the space and patterns of your husband, of your wife, and you adapt and you grow you don't get insulted if uh, or, or 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 get you know thrown out of your you know your thought process because your husband and wife is thinking somewhat differently from you. You learn to adjust, and you learn to adapt, and and that's that's uh, very very important. And um, 
And here is um, another anecdote. A Talmud Chacham who lectured in a large yeshiva related that the saddest marriage story he ever heard was from a Rebbe of his. He heard it 25 years ago and it remained with him as a Musar Haskell and on how common sense is needed to apply your ideas. And you have to daven fashtiyata When you ask, we, we talked about this before, you ask for das, you ask Hashem to give you that ability, that kayak to think properly and to use the common sense in the right way and use good ideas the right way. Now his Rebbe was a prominent mashkiach of a major yeshiva. He was a tremendous tzaddik. And the wife of one of his students called him up and complained about her husband. She had many complaints, but the main complaint was that her husband was not warm enough towards her. And she felt lonely and she felt miserable. Now, he wasn't cruel in any way. He wasn't mean in any way. But he was sort of detached, cold in his own world and tended to ignore her. Meshkiach spoke to the young man the next day and told him you need to be more expressive towards your wife. On a practical level, he advised him to be more openly affectionate. Now, the guy followed the teacher's instructions to the T, but he told his wife, I'm doing this because the mashkiach told me to. Now, needless to say, the mashkiach got another call with a further complaint. The sad part of the story here is the husband meant well and wanted to do what the Rebbe told him to do, but he lacked a certain common sense, you know, to realize how his wife would react, you don't say, I'm doing this because my Rebbe told me to. You think about what your Rebbe told you on how to behave towards your wife or towards your husband, if it's that way, and you think it through and you try to learn to communicate that way. You get that instruction from your Rebbe, yes, but then you use your common sense on how to go about interacting and to show respect and to show, um, you know, you know, um, honor and, and so on and so forth. So that's an important part of what we talked about over here to understand the emotional state of each a husband and wife and to understand their emotional world about how they feel about things, why they react certain ways. And as you have conversations your husband and wife, and they talk about experiences in their past, whether whether, whether it was growing up or, or or other experiences that they experienced and the way they talk about it to you, you'll learn a value, a great amount of information about your husband and your wife when they're talking to you about those experiences, what they like, what they dislike, what they were traumatized about. And you, you listen carefully and you do your best to accommodate and to work through towards that personality of the husband and wife. When we talked in the past about the set of shiurim, about the love languages, um, or the other set of shiurim, when we talked about needs, so part of understanding what the love language is, and again, it could be very, we talked about it, you could have a primary one, but that sometimes everyone needs all five at different times, and the needs also vary from you know time to time and person to person. Those sets of shiurim become much more effective by the very listening and of to your to your husband to your wife when they're talking to you and when they're expressing things, or when you hear even them talking to other people like your own children or their siblings or their friends and you happen to be there in the conversations or in the phone conversations and you learn and you grow and you develop and again we talked about this many times 
Do not say that because you were married for 10 years and 20 years and 30 years that you know your husband like a book, you know your wife like a book because their behaviors are predictable and I can't learn anything anymore. That is really not true. Human beings are very complex, very deep, and they change over time and they grow and don't make assumptions. You constantly learn, you constantly grow. You ask by Chayin Adas especially to Hashem to help you with this, to use your common sense in order to express properly the needs of your husband and of your wife. Have a wonderful day.